A dark, dank basement down a provincial English back street doesn't really sound like the place to launch a musical revolution, but that's exactly what happened when the Cavern Club opened its doors in Liverpool 60 years ago. So many great bands have played there, and of course it helped launch the Beatles to global stardom. Well, we wanted to give you a flavour of what it was like to go to the Cavern when it opened. So before we discuss its importance, here's an incredible BBC archive clip. Where's the most famous number 10 in the world? Downing Street? Not on your Nelly, say Liverpudlians. It's 10 Matthew Street, the address of The Cavern, where the Beatles took the pop world by storm. Others have since used it to make the Mersey sound stay world famous. A new look, super with it, extended cavern was being opened by the Premier. And in the crowd, as Bessie Braddock, the uncrowned Queen of Liverpool, escorted Harold Wilson, were Mrs. Wilson and her son Giles. Some time ago, the Prime Minister said he would open the new cavern, and here he was, in the cellar, where it all began. Mr. Wilson said that even when the country's up against it, there's no reason to be gloomy. So cheers with the Mersey beat, pop in general, and the cavern in particular. everyone hello we are back in podcast land the great divide has returned for episode 86 and this is a very special episode because as always for one thing i'm here with my co-host fine hello is fine hello my friend how are we we are okay it's good to reconnect yeah it's been a long time it has and we, we have a really great reason for reconnecting and that's because Svein is no longer a bc virgin <laughs> Do the applause. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, it happened in public. What can I say? that's awesome no but yeah if you follow the page and if you follow Svine online you're aware that he recently took an awesome trip to Liverpool and he's going to talk about that today and the the main reason uh, I'm assuming was to see Big Country but Svine being a huge Beatles fan as he is also saw some amazing uh, Beatles landmarks and iconic places so um so yeah, that, that's what our show is going to be about today. We're going to talk to Svein about his experiences, uh, seeing the band, seeing the things he saw, meeting some of you guys out there, which I'm really envious of because I would love to meet some of you too. Hopefully we can do that at some point. And um, hearing what he thought of his first live big country show. And, and what a great tour to see, this, the Return to Steel Town tour. Yeah, really. We, we'll try to frame it uh, more as the Steel Town 35 tour and not just uh, me seeing the band, but obviously that's going to be a big part of it because it was the first show. And when I booked that ticket, that wasn't quite yet announced as a Steel Town show. Oh, okay. So that came out after. And uh, I said, wow, on top of everything, it's a Steel Town show. That, how awesome is that? that? That's what I would have picked. I would have made the arrangements to, to see that more than anything. And of the first night and at the cavern in Liverpool. 
But before we get into it, let's do a little sweep of news because uh, it's been a little while since we last spoke. Yes, it has. And one of the things that uh, you have been working on, and an indirect reason why it's it's a month now removed from the Liverpool show, and we, we haven't been able to connect because you've been so busy with the wrapping up WKW. How is that going? Oh yeah, it's it's going great. Um, we we finally finished mixing everything uh, like last week, so the mixing is all done. We've sent it to a guy who's going to be mastering it. His name is Nigel Walton, and he's uh, mastered the Skids releases. He's mastered a lot of a lot of great artists. If you look at his name on the web, you'll see what he's done, and uh, he's going to be mastering it for us. And we're just now getting ready to launch into the crowdfunding campaign, which is totally new territory for all of us involved in this. I mean, I've contributed to some, but I've never actually run one. And Bruce has never, you know, as we know, has never even considered doing one. So we're we're about to sort of start our crowdfunding campaign. Maybe by the time this comes out, it will have already started. But if not, then it will be very soon. So hopefully you guys will help support us. I mean, there'll, there'll be a web page that you'll see and we'll promote it. It's going to have a lot of really cool um, reward tiers that you can that you can get depending on how much you donate, as is the case with most crowdfunding campaigns. We're still putting that list together, but there'll be some very uh, cool things there like meet and greets and sound checks with Big Country and um, maybe some appearances on our podcast, which hopefully you'll find valuable <laughs> or at least of some value. And then, um, you know, like the usual stuff, the digital downloads, the CD itself, uh, some cool demo downloads that you can get. Um, but we'll explain all that as we get going. But um, the main thing is that the music is done and we're just really, really excited about it. We really think it came out great and uh, we can't wait to share it with everyone because, you know, I know people have been wondering for the last few years, you know, is Big Country ever going to release anything new? Are they, gonna, are they ever going to put out any new music? And I know this isn't big country, and I can't answer that question on on behalf of big country, but I can say that this album, we didn't set out to make like a big country sounding album. We didn't like calculate it, but of course it's going to sound a lot like them because you've got one of the co-founders of the band. You've got got two people who are in the band, the co-founder, a guy who's uh, his son, who's grown up with the band and played in it for the past decade. And then me, who's been influenced by the band in my own music for the past two decades. So it's got a lot of big country spirit to it. It's got a lot of big guitars, the, the big anthemic choruses. And it's got a very, the mix is very dense with like tons of, tons and tons of guitar <laughs> overdubs. I mean, some of these tracks, some of these songs have like literally a hundred, more than a hundred tracks of instrumentation, which is insane. So, uh. Yeah. So anyway, it 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 should be a cool album, and hopefully you guys will uh, will will be interested in supporting our crowdfunding campaign, so we can get it out in CD form. And um and also just real quickly too, I want to thank the Big Country Irish fans for premiering our version of Kill a Cranky at their Irish fans convention event that they had in Ireland recently. In fact, as we record this, it just happened last night. So. Niall and Liam, you guys are so cool to to play that. We really appreciate it, and it was awesome for me to to see the video that you put up of people actually listening to the song and reacting positively to it and clapping along and, and clapping at the end because I'm just used to sitting in a room with a pair of headphones on, listening to it by myself, sending it off to Bruce and Jamie, and then maybe occasionally sending a clip to Svine or someone else to get a little feedback from playing it for a family member or, or a 9-year-old or 11-year-old kid. So, so to see a room full of people actually hearing it um, was great. I wish I could have been there. So, uh, 
so yeah, the, things are shaping up nicely for WKW. The album is called Men of Steel, and um, we're looking forward to it. So just there's going to be a lot of news about it coming soon. So uh, please be on the lookout, and if you could support our crowdfunding campaign, that would be fantastic. I'm sure a lot of people will do that. I've been fortunate, as you said, to to listen to a lot of this material. There's a couple of surprises for me too. There's a couple of songs that you held back just to uh, just to give me that initial feeling when I uh, when I get one of the rare CDs you will uh, dosh out. But uh, <laughs> I can definitely vouch for the big contrast of the music. I would actually not be surprised if you were the biggest pusher for that. But uh, I th- it's awesome. It's really awesome. And we've heard three of the songs. And all I can say is it's it's fairly representative. But the fact that we have big country cover versions, I mean, last night we had Killy Cranky, and I know it's not a big country song, but I still call it a big country cover version because it's yeah. it's that version that you're covering. It's the big country version of Killy Cranky that you have uh, tackled in your own way. Yeah, exactly. And those those three tracks too from the EP, those three tracks from the EP um, are going to be on this album too. But they're they've been completely remixed and remastered. And like I went back to each one of them because I learned a lot of things along the way, and thought I could make these tracks sound a lot better. So I think they do. I mean, the, if so, if you think like, well, you know, I've already heard three of the songs, but these are going to be better sounding in, in our opinion. So these are going to be the best versions of the songs um, that were on the EP. A lot heavier in a lot of ways too. So. So right. everything everything is new again. So do you have a release date, sort of tentative uh, period kind of thing slotted in? Um, the the hope, the big hope, is to be able to to get it out before Christmas, and um, that's that's the hope. So we're we're just about ready to launch the crowdfunding thing. That that will last for thirty days, and then um, depending on the, how that goes, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, you know, hopefully, certainly by Christmas, we should have it out there. At least at least the digital format should definitely be out before Christmas. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to start shipping CDs out before then, too. Yeah, so they can all get lost in the Christmas mail. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. No, that, that should be awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. And as you said, uh, last night was the big country Irish fan event. And uh, I wanted to just give some kudos to those guys. This is um, a yearly event by now. It's an annual event. They've had it at least three years, if not four years, running in a row. And they have established themselves as the biggest regular fan event out there. Uh, so uh, I think that's great. Uh, they um, they have decent crowds. They have people flying in from everywhere to get together for an evening of big country music, tribute bands, yeah. contests, raffles world premiere of WKW songs. They have it all. So uh, 
that's uh, that's awesome. It really is. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm really amazed. It's, it says something. It, it takes a lot of uh, dedication and effort to put it on every year, an annual thing. And uh, I understand they plan to do it all over again next year. So big kudos to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is the kind of stuff that uh, I see other bands have. Definitely bigger bands like KISS. There's plenty of KISS conventions. Now Big Country has its own fan event in Ireland. And uh, I would love to see more of them. But uh, I'd love to go there one day. And as I'll get into when I talk about Liverpool, I met most of the Irish fan uh, guys. They, they were very visible. They were all flying the the, uh, the Irish fan t-shirts. So they were easy to spot. And uh, <laughs> a, a great uh, group of fans. Lovely bunch of people, so it will be cool to to visit that fan event sometime, and uh, maybe maybe that can be done next year. Hi guys, this is Liam here from Irish Big Country Fans. Um, thanks for having me on. Big Country were oh, influenced me throughout my whole life. The first memory of listening to Big Country was actually on my first Walkman. Um, it was a Sanyo Walkman that was after purchasing in Italy for thousands and thousands of euro at the time. I can't remember exactly how much, but it was a lot of euro. But when I put in the crossing and played it, it was just wow. Blew me away straight away. And I've been addicted ever since, like a lot of us. Um, so I followed Big Country right up through all the years and stayed with them and went to gigs, the usual. I'm not a musician myself, nor do I ever intend on being a musician, or could I attempt to play an instrument. But um, I suppose then... With technology growing, it was easier getting contact with people. You were talking to people that you hadn't seen in years, etc., etc. And that led me to set up the Big Country Irish Fans page. And that's, I think, about five years ago now, maybe more, six years ago. And uh, Niall came on board then. And we said, geez, would it be a good idea if we organise our own Irish Fans event? So... We set it up the very first year with Angle Park and Buffalo Skillers came on board. And that night then we we were talking and Dave Tegerdown said he would be interested in joining us. So that's where we went from there. We had our third event last night in Dublin. An absolutely brilliant night we had in the Grand Social. Um, it was well attended. Buffalo Skinners, Shattercross, and Kevin Copeland. Overall, it was a very good, very good night. And it was great to meet up with the guys again because the last time we met a lot of the guys was actually over in the cavern for the Steeltown gig there a couple of weeks back. We had, there was Niall, Dave, Teg, Helen, and and we met up with a lot of the, we met up with John Ferry, Svine was there. Um, and Steeltown, that gig that night in the cavern brought me right back to my teenage years and it was absolutely uh, it was one of the best gigs I've ever ever been to I mean the guys blew me away that night it was it was great to see all these people again and brought me right back to my teenage years I suppose on a final note keep an eye, keep an eye on our Irish big country fans page uh, next week we have a very very special announcement coming probably late next week but just keep an eye on the on the page Thanks, guys. Another thing that has happened is uh, we have a new big country fan scene that has come out in digital form only called Club mm-hmm. Country. And uh, as you could expect, 
Tom and I both have articles, and they are the longest articles in the magazines. <laughs> we, we go on a bit in, in written form as well. What a shock. What a shock. But uh, I guess most people have uh, heard about this. It's been announced in most uh, big country Facebook groups. If you're not on Facebook, or if you missed this somehow, go to John's page. John's page is where this magazine is hosted. It has its own uh, place there under fanzines. It's called Club Country. One issue is out. I think we can reveal that uh, we are stirring a bit when it comes to putting together material for a second issue. It's likely that it happens. Definitely in the first issue, Tom wrote a big piece on uh, the entire background to WKW, which is very interesting. And uh, I wrote about the Great Divide podcast. I think it's half the magazine. It's an article on the Great Divide podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's from my perspective, really, how it got together and how it's, it's been running. And it's kind of dangerous to talk about this with you now because I, I actually haven't asked you in detail how, how you felt about that article, but how did you feel about that article? Was, was, was I right from, from your perspective? It was a complete disgrace to the legacy of the podcast, really. So many half-truths and false comments. Yes, so you should definitely read that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. It, it was perfect. It, it uh it reminded me of a lot of things that I'd sort of forgotten about, to be honest. I mean, you know, typically of you, you kept everything, had a bunch of emails <laughs> and things and comments that, that were made. And it was fun. It was a fun read. It's fun to go back and read and remember uh, how all that started. So, yeah, I loved it. It was great. And uh, probably in true form, the, the origins of the podcast in this article go back to the 90s. It doesn't go back to when we hooked up in, in 2012 to do this so it's right but i right. think it does start i think it it, it carries a lot with it from uh, how we approached discussions back then even and I'm, I'm sure that's really why you considered uh, you know my name when, when you were looking for a co-host oh yeah because it, it goes back to those those and that, that's also why i thought it makes sense that it should be me of course he's gonna ask me <laughs> <laughs> you'll read all about that i didn't ask anyone else no you didn't get a chance because i, I sort of uh, beat you to it that's true, you did. <laughs> a bit slightly to it. It's all in the article. It's it's a fun read. It's uh, it was certainly uh, fun to write. But uh, everybody's making fun now of uh, you know writing a a freaking serial. <laughs> but for the next issue, I'll write about something else, and it, it will surely fill half the magazine still. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's uh, talk about Steel Town then, and Steel Town Thirty Five. This is uh, the third time that the band has toured Steeltown, or with a Steeltown theme. Uh, the first being the original tour, and then they had Steeltown 30 in 2014, and then now. So I'm going to do what I love doing, which is put Tom on the spot. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to see how many shows did they do in their respective Steeltown tours. So we're going to start with the original tour, the original Steeltown tour in 1984. Can you guess the number of shows they did then? Well, I know it wasn't a lot. It wasn't nearly as many as the Crossing tour. So this is going to be a complete and utter guess. So I will say uh, 35. That's a damn good guess. You're very close. Really? You're very close. The total is 37. Oh, my gosh. That was close. That was very close. That's I'm very impressed. And obviously, you uh, you know enough to sort of get around to a, an approximation here. They did 12 shows in October uh, 84, which includes 
one warm-up gig, 11 in November and 14 in December, and that totals 37. But moving forward to Steel Town 30 in 2014, how many shows did you think they did then? Oh, wow. Um, has to be more. I would say 60. They did uh, 29. 29? Oh, wow. 29, yeah. All right. They followed the same time frame as the original one. They did um, October to December, but, but less. 13 in October, 10 in November, and 6 in December. So that totals 29. So, uh, yeah, you'd think it was more, maybe, but uh, no, <laughs> those those were the ones. So, 37 and 29. And then we have the shows that are scheduled for this one, Steel Town 35. How many do you think that is? Mm, 25. What? No! You're going the wrong direction. Oh, man. This will be the longest Steel Town-based tour they have done. 45 shows. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, from Gosh. mid-September to late December, so it's slightly longer in uh, in time scope. But it's the same time of year, every one of these. So Steel Town Tours, that's the last quarter of the year, basically. Okay. Uh, this includes, of course, the trip to Australia and New Zealand. That was uh, 10 shows, you know, 18 Australia, 2 in New Zealand. So that's a big chunk of that total. But, uh, yeah, so it's... 37 in 84, 29 in 2014, and 45 this year. So um, I saw the first of those. That was in Liverpool. That was uh, September 12th. And at the Cavern Club, the legendary Cavern Club. I had ulterior motives in picking that because uh, I could stay some days. I could do some Beatle tourism. And I could see a big country. I could do all of that. And I really get... A lot out of that trip, more than just going to some place and quote unquote just seeing big country. <laughs> right, <laughs> you can even right. call it that. So that was great. It, it sort of stars aligned. And uh, I'm not sure if I believe myself when I uh, said in the Yuletide, I think that's when I said it, that in the coming year, I will make the journey and I will see big country in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no plans at that point. Uh, I was going to see where the shows would uh, land. You know, what the plan was, what they put out. And it was actually Niall Featherstone who first said, how about Liverpool? And he sent me a link very immediately after that was uh, was announced. So that was always in the mix. And I said, that that's possible. And uh, the more I thought of it, I had many reasons to go there. I also saw... Uh, a work colleague who was on maternity leave. I got to visit her and see her new baby. And uh, it, it was really an everything trip for me. So lots of reasons to go to Liverpool. And it's been, it's, everything was great. Shot! The Cavern Club. Hallowed ground in terms of clubs and legacies. And uh, it, it figures prominently in the history of the Beatles but it's always been one of those clubs that uh, people go to. And you wonder why when you're there, because it's it's definitely not the smoothest club to uh, to arrange a show, and it's definitely not the most comfortable place to be during a show. It's very warm. And there's yeah. a lot of reasons why, perhaps, uh, you wonder why. But then you walk around there, and um, you see the history, and you see all the, all the items they have on display that sort of shows the legacy of the club, and everybody who's performed there, everybody who's been there, it's a club that sort of takes care of its own legacy and builds its own reputation. And everybody feels the same. The fans who go there knows this is a kind of place full of history. 
and uh, the bands who play there knows it too. So um, yeah, I look forward to to that. And shall we just start with uh, the story of my journey? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm kind of wondering how much to uh, to talk about because, uh, as you say, I, I did a lot of Beatles tourism. I, I guess that's of limited interest to to the people. So we'll focus on the big country stuff, but uh, I will refer to it because sometimes the twain does meet. The journey started on September 11th. What a great day to go flying! So oh, yeah. uh, that was the day and. Uh, there are no direct flights from uh, the Oslo airport to uh, Liverpool, as it turns out. So I took a flight to Manchester and a train from Manchester to Liverpool, which is a little over an hour uh, by train. So it works out. Certainly it worked out when I came there. You know, Friday evening when I went back, I was hit by the typical uh, railway uh, issues and delays and the cancellations, which is you know, exactly what you need to when you're trying to get home. But going there was smooth. Uh, landing there was smooth. Finding my the correct train was perhaps not smooth because there's nothing was labeled and I just have to guess. And uh, eventually I just followed the stream of desperate people who were also going to Liverpool, figuring we're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we got there. So uh, the hotel was two minutes from the station. It was kind of easy. So then I had the Wednesday to just settle. And uh, originally I kind of put out the word, if, if anyone's in town, let's just meet up. But as it turned out, all my days were filled with activity. Uh, I sent an email to to my colleague, Emily, who lives in uh, Liverpool. And I wanted to meet her, obviously. But I also asked her, do you know of any record shops? So her answer was, no, I, I don't really shop for records. But tell you what, I'll connect you with my husband. Because he also buys uh, records. So I met up with this guy, Andrew. I've never seen him before. You know, he's he's the husband of my colleague. And uh, he came armed with a list of 21 record shops that we could visit. So, so Jesus Christ, can we do that in one day? And um, one afternoon, really. I think we covered uh, the lion's share of them. So uh, my suitcase was filled with records that first day. So that was really my first day was walking around. That was awesome to have a, a guy who could show me around uh, how to walk down to the docks, how to walk up to uh, to the cavern and those places. So I got to know the city. That made me a bit more secure in terms of uh, the next few days when I had to sort of fend for myself and find my way around town. And it's kind of true what they say, that as you as you come to a town, it's huge and intimidating. But as you learn it, it kind of shrinks just by familiarity. You know, okay, that's over there. So then you go there and then you learn all the easy ways to navigate. So towns do shrink and uh, become more manageable. And that definitely happened uh, over that uh, Wednesday. So, so that was great. And uh, then comes the Thursday, the day where everything comes together. So I was going to start uh, basically having a whole day until showtime. I was not going to be sitting around waiting for that. So I booked myself on a bus tour, a Beatle bus tour called Magical Mystery Tour. Mm. So I walked down to the docks. That's where it started. And they have these huge buses. And this is for those who are familiar enough with the Beatles. No, they made a movie called Magical Mystery Tour with a bus with psychedelic colors and they just drove around and nothing much happened except some crazy little things. Uh, but we got on our ours and we made all the stops, all the um, Beatle locations in town. And that was a great tour. We got to see all the sites, all the places. And uh, the end location was the Cavern Club. So after two hours, we were all left off. 
uh, so me and my group and we stopped many places we took many pictures of each other and just helped out and it was just really nice uh, and then we were going to go to the cavern we had like free entrance all the way down and we could go there and pick up a souvenir so so i head down there with my group and i'm totally in beetle mode and then as i approach that area and i should have thought that worlds would collide suddenly i hear oi that's fine <laughs> so that was my first meet with uh, with big country fans that's awesome and that was liam doyle and dermot owens standing outside oh that's great yeah <laughs> so then what's kind of like uh, and you can see my group kind of like looking around who what and then yeah they they had me in their midst so i just uh I had to stop and say hi. And it was it was that was great to to start meeting people so so quickly. And evidently, I'm very recognizable because I loom over most people. I'm a tall guy and a huge guy in every sense. So yeah, you spot me, long hair, and that's I'm I'm very easy to, to you know. That's fine. It's just uh, I I don't I, I stand out. That I'm 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 easy to spot. So so we took some pictures and. Uh, got inside and I think that's when the swine has arrived pictures were making their way on Facebook hi guys this is Dermot from Belfast just giving you a few thoughts of uh, the recent trip to wonderful Liverpool to see Steel Town 35 years on well I've been there before the Cavern Club it is a strange sort of slightly claustrophobic venue but it's part of the heritage heritage of Liverpool and Looking forward to the Steel Town to hear what songs we're going to play. Pleasantly surprised by um, they did most of the songs. One standing out is always Tall Ships Go and Flame of the West. I think Flame of the West sort of captured the atmosphere of the venue best, I thought. The first time I hear, heard Scott playing some of the new songs as well. Brilliant night. Uh, great to meet so, up with so many people before, during and after, old friends, new friends, especially a certain Norwegian person. So, yeah. Definitely worth a visit, worth the songs, and great gig overall, as always. And I look forward to seeing many more. So thanks, guys. Enjoying the podcast, as always. Take care. Bye. So that was cool. I went down and collected my price. I got to meet more of... Uh, I met most of the Irish fan club. Uh, met some other people there. But I was really just going to get my souvenir and go on to the next thing. So that's when I was going to meet uh, Andrew again, and we drove around to see some spots across the river through the underground tunnels. And eventually we met up at uh, Penny Lane at the restaurant, Emily, my colleague. I got to see the little baby, so all was great. So keep in mind, while all this is happening, there are groups of big country fans about town arranging uh, you know, pre-gig meetups and drinks and, and get-togethers, which is great, you know. But I'm sitting there talking to them and, uh, you know, cuckooing the, the little one. And my phone is going bing, 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 because I'm I'm tagged in five different chats, different meets, <laughs> uh, where, where discussion is going on all the time. So I had to actually just mute it. It was <laughs> too much. I couldn't pay attention to that. And then uh, I made my way back to the cavern because I, I had been invited to... Uh, to meet the band and uh, those who follow my Instagram will have seen pictures some made it to the Facebook as well I, I posted more pictures on Instagram but I got down to the club I was going to meet Gordon so I stood there and Gordon was nowhere to be seen so okay send a message 
And then uh, I realized down in the basement of, uh, of the cavern, there's no network. This is a bunker. This is <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing there. So I stood around. Okay, what's gonna? What's happening now? The band might be late. They might not be on time. Uh, what was going on? And as I stand there, suddenly a hand lands on my shoulder, and the the Gordon has arrived. <laughs> so he takes me in, into the club. They were really in the middle of setup. So um, I come into the club, and I see uh, the first thing I see is Bruce is standing on stage playing away but it's not like connected to any speakers i don't hear anything so he hears it in the headphones and he's focused on working something out or getting the setup right so yeah sure i'll say hi later he's there and then i see in the corner scott is sitting on a chair in the corner playing away on his bass same setup uh just he listening on his headphones they're all going through parts they're all really working so that's one thing that uh, I was very conscious of. I was allowed to come into an area where people were working. They were not there to socialize necessarily all the time. They had to do their bit. Uh, but I came in, and uh, the first thing I, I really see is, is Janet, Scott's wife, sitting on a chair. And she looks up from her phone and sees me and says, I just answered your message. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I sat down with her, and then she was... Uh, in a great mood and we uh, we were just talking away while all the guys were, were doing their stuff and Gordon was setting up the shop and everybody was really they, they, I don't think they had arrived much before so they they were just settling in and getting all the systems uh, in order so um, I spent a lot of time then with Janet just sitting around and looking at the guys doing their thing and uh, and we were in fact so deeply into a topic I'm, I'm not sure exactly what but uh, then I I hear Bruce just saying in the background, I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> he had spotted me and made his way down. So I got to meet him and uh, that was great. And uh, oh, I, I recognize your voice, <laughs> which I said, oh, I, I get that a lot. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's what people know, they know my voice. Or as Tim said once, when we, uh, we connected with Tim, I know your voice, but you usually don't talk back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. So that uh, so that was nice. So uh, he uh, he was very uh, very very welcoming. I mean, he took uh, care of me. He warmly welcomed me into their midst and uh, showed me around. And then he went back and uh, and got a set list pushed in my face. So mm-hmm. that was awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, a fresh one off the prints. It didn't even make its way to the stage. So I don't know if that makes it more genuine or less genuine. But uh, it's 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 a bona fide set list from Bruce. But the cool thing about the, that day and being invited back is that uh, obviously they were going to do a, a sound check, but more than that, they needed to rehearse a bit because they had no chance to rehearse all the songs together as a five piece. So uh, it was a sound check slash rehearsal. So it would be much longer than normal. That's very unique. So, uh, you know, I hung around with all these guys but they collected themselves on stage after a bit to, to start that process. And uh, I was chatting away with Gordon and he said, uh, please don't take video of this because they're, they're kind of rehearsing and figuring things out. It might not be good. And I said, okay, um, I was really hoping to get some audio clips of this, so some, something we can use uh, on the podcast. And Gordon just, I see him thinking, I said, I'll get back to you. <laughs> so, so he actually went and, and had a quiet word with Bruce, and it came back later that, okay, you can you can do some video and you can use 
the audio, but but don't post the video publicly. And and uh, yeah, that's great, you know. So and obviously they were rehearsing, so it was also understood that if 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 things sounded not good, you know, if if they made a mess of themselves, that wouldn't be used. We're not out to to catch them with their pants down. We're, we're out to really seeing, get an awesome glimpse of the band in work. And and that was uh, that was fine. And I was also asked if I could stand next to the sound man a little bit out of the way. They didn't want to feel self-conscious because they didn't want anything out there with mistakes, and they didn't want to feel like they were broadcasting to you know a podcast that would really show words and all. So that's perfectly understandable. So I agreed to that, no problem. I could tape anything and. Uh, it was really interesting. So what I was privy to, I, I was really a fly on the wall, not just for a sound check. I'm sure plenty of people have seen sound checks. I think fewer people have seen them actually stand there and uh, work parts out and discuss amongst themselves how to put together parts. That was freaking awesome. And um, I taped some of that, but we're not going to play those discussions here. But I also taped some of that sound check slash rehearsal. They started, and the first song they tore into was flame of the west mm-hmm. and i was just jesus christ that sounds so good <laughs> so i just i just got up i was sitting next to janet again and i just got up and sauntered across the room to the sound guy threw up my phone and taped it so um they uh, they played flame of the west and they they segued perfectly into east of eden oh wow so i thought uh, we'll play that here from from that sound check at the cavern we'll get to hear the the first two songs they played uh, at sound check that day I'm gonna 
Yeah, so that's, uh, that was pretty awesome to see. And also how they were standing there, not giving a show. You know, this is the difference of, of a sound check or rehearsal. They're focusing on the sound. They're focusing on the meters of their fretboards. They're, they're Clark Kent. They're not Superman. They're not wearing their stage gear. It, it's the Clark Kent identity kind of thing. But they're focusing very much on the instruments. So, so you're getting a very raw take. So it, it sounds different with the... You know an audience recording obviously so people need to keep that in mind this is very much just testing things and playing through uh, but it's awesome to hear 
And, uh, and as you also could hear, they, they had nothing to worry about in terms of uh, they didn't want me to catch, you know, any fibs, but they, they sounded awesome. Oh, yeah. The only place they, they stopped, they, they never stopped because someone played anything wrong, but they got to a point where they just stopped naturally to have a discussion. They know their stuff and they're, they're so solid as a unit. I'm not sure Scott has played all the songs from Steeltown with them before. Simon was obviously there in uh, 2014. So, but it, but that's still five years earlier. So it's uh, it's been a little while. They need to rehash. They need to just make sure they remember things right. And uh, that's what they did. And it sounded really, really, really good. So uh, yeah, I, I think I sent a message to you and John as I was standing there, just shaking my head at how unbelievable it was. Did I send you a little glimpse? I think they played um, Tall Ships Go. I don't know if you did or not. I, I can't. You probably did. I can't think of it offhand. I think you, you, your dry comment was that you, you heard a, a different song on the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, because when you, yeah. when you sent that, I was, at, at, I was at work. Now I totally remember. I was at work, and there was a, a work crew outside of our office, and they had a oldies radio station playing, and I could hear it through the windows. And, yeah, there, I, I think I said something like, uh, I'm hearing 8675309. Yeah, that made so that's much it. better than tall ships go, <laughs> obviously. You'd, ha- you'd have to say something like that. <laughs> and you should feel honored that when I was standing there in that surreal experience, the people I wanted to share this with was you and John. Uh, so oh. I-, I thought of you guys. <laughs> oh, that's great. So um, they focused a lot on the, um, the Steel Town show. After tall ships go, they tore into uh, where the roses sown. I think they played it on and off, so that wasn't a totally new song. And they had a discussion in the middle of that song that I will get back to when I discuss the live show later, because they were trying to figure something out, and I think they figured it out. And that was the only song, that was the only time in the live show that you could see possibly uh, that uh, there was an issue. But uh, someone saved the day, and I'll tell that story when we get to the show. We have to be chronological here. But they played that, and then they went straight into Come Back to Me. And that was uh, sublime. And Bruce brought out the Ebo, and uh, it was such a prominent part. It was loud and clear and sounded just incredible. Right the flags of 
big thing is they included the whole outro. I think I, I mentioned that to you back then too, that they, they played the whole outro of the yeah, song as it is on the album, it. which they didn't always do that with Stuart. I think they did do it at least once because I know that there's uh, audio out there that I've heard. That's right. Early on where they did play it. I think you actually played that in the deep dive, that we found one instance when they did it. Yeah, certainly yeah. wasn't wasn't uh, often. So if, if that might have been the only time, but... Yeah, and I love how they do that with with the new songs that they well the old songs that they work out. Bruce and Jamie have often worked in little parts that they hadn't played live with Stewart, like yeah. Fields of Fire, for example. They they put in one of the lead parts that was never part of the live version, and they they add something new to the songs. It's really cool. It shows a lot of care that they put into reworking these. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I went back to the 2014 uh, tour and. Uh, just to check if they played the, the outro there as well, and they did. I think they did it better now. I think they do a more prominent Ebo as part of the current uh, intro. I think it's just a little bit more fiery. There's something to do with the arrangement that it really is a very powerful and emotional uh, coda to the song, really. And I know many people feel similar. That, that was uh, something that a lot of people said, that the end of Come Back to Me was really sensational. And it was great, even in soundcheck. But it was really strong in, uh, in, in the show. So that was awesome. That was a definite highlight. And then, uh, yeah, they played a couple of more songs, Restless Natives in Soundcheck, and that was just solid. It was solid in Soundcheck, it was solid in the show, a song that uh, you can never do wrong. So so they worked their way through it, and I stood there taking in all these songs and listening to them, uh, discussing and figuring it out, and that was just incredible. And now, was was Simon singing on these songs, or was he was it just instrumentals? He sang. Okay. Yeah, it was a full band. This was a dress rehearsal, so the vocal was part of it. Got it. So I, I, I know sometimes the vocals uh, aren't part of uh, soundcheck because you want to save your voice. But I think this time they needed to be sure of where everybody came in, including the vocals. So I got the full treatment. So in effect, I saw the show twice. So that's, that's great. <laughs> not every song. I saw like probably half. They played half the show in, uh, in soundcheck. Very nice. Now, I was talking to, to all these guys. You know, I fully intended to come home with an interview or several interviews or chats with people, but the place and the circumstance really wasn't very inducive to that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy to walk around and, and shove something in their face and ask them a question just, uh, just because they're standing next to me at that moment. Right. You really want to go and sit down and, uh, you know, have a good chat and it, that it feels good and it doesn't feel rushed or stressed. But due to this being really the first show and all the rehearsals and all the things they needed to figure out and uh, also the club you were never alone <laughs> and back to the dressing room it was always crowded there were always people there and uh, around about the club too so i talked a hell of a lot to them about a lot of stuff and i'll, I'll relay that as best i can but it really wasn't a good time for interview but they would all have been up for it but instead we did other things so um one thing yeah, one story I have to tell. Stuart Mengis had a contest out 
for the for the cavern club for people who went to that show where he said the first person to post a picture of themselves in an official big country t-shirt with a big country member wins a prize so he had basically four rules one rule was uh, you know t-shirts got to be an official big country t-shirt you got to be at the cavern you got to be with a big country member and the fourth rule was your name can't be Gordon Smith <laughs> <laughs> because Gordon Gordon would have free access to everybody. But Gordon came over to me and he showed, Hey, Sven, look here. And I uh, said, why don't you do this? <laughs> and this was like hours before anyone was allowed in. I, said, <laughs> I, could have, I could have taken a picture with every band member 10 times and posted every one before anyone had a chance at one. That's hilarious. So uh, it wouldn't have been fair, but, yeah, he he was egging me on, but I didn't do it. Ah, well, good for you. <laughs> that was that was nice of you. Well, that'd hardly be a competition, but as it turns out, <laughs> he, I don't think he got the turnout he hoped for for that competition because I think in the end they decided Liam Doyle was the winner, and he wore a big country Irish fans T-shirt, which is not an official <laughs> big country T-shirt, and he was taking a picture of himself with Janet Whitley. The wife of a band member, not a band member. Oh, come on now. Yeah, that's not fair, even though that's cool. Yeah, but his name wasn't Gordon Smith, so he had that working for him. <laughs> and, and, and he was at the cavern. So yeah, that, that was the closest thing to a winner. So I'm thinking maybe I should have done it anyway, have at least a worthy winner. And you had, a, you had an unofficial shirt on too, didn't you? Yeah, but I bought... Uh, I, I, he actually had one shirt in my size that I snagged. Okay. I could have thrown it on and been part of the competition but i mean you had a you had a a great divide shirt yes i did i was walking around with the one and only the great divide podcast t-shirt in existence (laughs) so just to just to mention that here because a lot of people noticed that shirt and wondered if we had shirts Uh, no we don't have shirts uh some years ago we talked about doing shirts and that was the one that was made as a sort of test print i made that that one and um then we uh for many reasons, didn't do a T-shirt, uh, but I still have that one. You know, I thought that was the occasion <laughs> to use it. So, yeah, that's awesome. I thought maybe then they'll recognize me in my stupidity, not realizing that yeah, I'm I'm probably recognizable enough as it is, towering over everybody and in every way, looming, dwarfing people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we never wanna we never wanna compete with any big country official merchandise, so that's one of the reasons no. we never made the shirt. So. You know, we'll see what happens down the road, but for now, it's a it's a rare, one of a kind item. Maybe maybe two of a kind at some point. Yeah, we should have made one more, maybe two more. You know, you and John definitely also deserve one. But uh, that's why I had it, and I thought if I don't use it now, when is a better occasion for me to use it? <laughs> there isn't one. So obviously, <laughs> going to a, to a big country show, yeah, I'll wear that one. And if someone sees the shirt and figures out that there is a podcast, good. Everybody benefits. And that happened, actually. I was standing chatting with Gordon earlier by the merch booth, and there was another guy there. He had never heard of the podcast. And that was kind of cool that Gordon was saying, oh, you you need to hear it. It's really good. And I said, well, you have to say that since I'm standing here. But mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, no, no, it really is good. Mm-hmm. So so some people actually were converted to the podcast because I wore that one. So that that was that. So, yeah, so all the pictures you see of me that day, I, I wear that the great divide. One of a kind, sure. Nice. Hi, my name's Jenny Horby. I've been a big country fan since I was seven years old, 1983. First got into them through my dad liking them. 
Um, I've been to numerous tours over the years. Didn't really start going touring until 89 when I was about 12, 13, because my mum didn't like me going to rock gigs at that age, younger. Um, but yeah, been a fan for a long time. Recently went to the Cavern gig in Liverpool in September. Like the venue, it's nice and small, um, but enough atmosphere. It's got a nice atmosphere. We met up with some friends beforehand because there's quite a few of us that have known each other a long time. Um, Paul Bratley, Ian Golder, um, Ruth Wickham from Birmingham, Dave Onions. There's quite a few of us meet up. Dermot flies over from Ireland. Um, and we meet up, have a few, like, few drinks, catch up. Um, it's just a really nice night, really nice atmosphere. Nice to see Gordon Smith and Sandra Watson and the Wrens at the gig. Um, I was quite pleased with hearing um, Flame of the West. I haven't heard that for a long time. Um, the Great Divide, love that song, Where the Rose Was Sown. Um, sounded on point, really sounded good. Simon's voice really suited the songs. I think he suits the earlier songs really well. And looking forward to going to Chester next to the live rooms. But uh, as as they started finishing the setup, people wanted to go get a bite to eat. So Bruce came over and said, "Hey, it's fine. You want to join us for for dinner?" So I joined up with uh, Bruce and Jamie and, and Gav, the roadie, uh, really great guy. This is my roadie. It's called Gav. His name's Gavin. I like to call him Gaviscon. Because the roadie looks a thousand miles with his eyes. And when the crowd roars, brings a teardrop to the roadie's eyes. Tears of pride, because it brought you the show, but you will never know. He's changing the strings while hiding in the wings, no matter how hard the show must go on. This is my And, and you sent me a message that I should relate to Bruce, and I did. So as we walked for dinner, I actually made sure that uh, he got your request, or in fact, your insistence, that uh, that Seven <laughs> Swords should be played that evening. So <laughs> he got a good laugh out of that one, but he said, oh, I can't bloody remember it. <laughs> that's and that's great. a new song you've just been working on, and he already has forgotten it. So that's... Uh, oh, that's funny. That's yeah. hilarious. And who knows? There might be a time and a place when it's played, but uh, this was clearly not it. Right, exactly. So we uh, so we went for dinner, and we went to this place. Uh, I don't know if it's called Wooks Up or Wagamama. It had both of those on the wall, but we went to this Wagamama place. It was uh, not just Indian, not just Oriental, not just sushi, but a mix of all of them. So they had the chopsticks. You know, Bruce was proficient with the chopsticks. 
uh, and Bruce and Jamie, they were going for the firecracker. I have no idea what the firecracker was. It was a strong type of curry meal. I'd, I don't know if I would have had that before a show, but they were, you know, no doubt. Yeah, the firecracker. And it was just so fun <laughs> to sit, see them sit there side by side with an equally keen facial look at, at the waitress firecrackers. <laughs> so that was, that was awesome. I, I, I did not go for the firecracker. So <laughs> but, uh, but that was fun. And um, it was a very funny uh, meal. I think um, I struggled to finish it for laughing. It was a great time out. And uh, I think we'll, we'll, you know, afterwards going back to the club, that is a very funny story because here comes the spinal tap moment of uh, of this tale. Oh, nice! Uh, for some reason, uh, Jamie and Gav went by somewhere. Maybe they went to pick up something from from a shop or something. So Bruce and I went back to uh, to the cavern and we went the back way. We went into the garage gate and he he had the code for the garage. We got inside. It was bloody warm in that garage, uh, but we walked around and we came to some locked doors. And we were walking around, and uh, we actually found no way out of that garage underneath uh, the cavern club. <laughs> so we, you were walking around there and just figuring out, is it this door? No, that's locked. And is it that door? No. Okay, can we get back out the garage door that we came in? No. So he had to call Gordon and said, Gordon, we're in the garage. We're next to the cars we came with. Can you come and get us? It's locked. And uh, Gordon was kind of, well, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll come. So, so we were actually locked in the garage. No, it's not an exit. It's not an exit. You don't want an exit. No, that's true. Oh, this way. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, this way. We've got to get to us somewhere. We've been on the We're in the group that's playing tonight. You go right straight through this door here, down the hall. Yeah. Turn right. Yeah. First door you sign, authorized. Personnel only, yeah. open their door, that's the stage. You think so? You authorize, you're bringing musicians, aren't you? Yeah. All right. Thank that. you, thank you very much. Yeah. Rock and roll! All right. Rock and roll! Yeah. Let's get it, let's get it! Hello, Cleveland! Hello, Cleveland! You must have made a wrong time. We've got to go another way. Other way. Other way. Other way. It didn't last that long. It lasted probably uh, three or four minutes, but it was just very funny. <laughs> just walking around and uh, trying to figure out how to get back into the club. Mm. But uh, eventually, as he walked further in, because this was one of those uh, garages with lots of nooks and uh, you know corners and, and things. And there was one door in the very, very end, which was very hard to spot. And that was a jar. And when we opened that, we actually saw it into the club so then we uh, we got back in and uh, by that time the club had been filling up so people had been coming in and uh, lots of people there so uh, Bruce went backstage for final preparations and I thought this is my chance to mingle so all these guys had pre-gig drinks all day and, and meetups and I kind of um, uh, chose to skip out to to see you know people I knew or on the sound check and that that whole thing so this was my chance so, so I got into the club and uh, met more people immediately who recognized me. And uh, that was kind of, they had the advantage on me, most of them, that uh, I was the one, the, the tall, huge, long-haired guy with a freaky beard and wild eyes and a great divide t-shirt. Who can that be? So, um, <laughs> so I got, but I got to meet a lot of people and that was great. So I spoke to uh, too many of them and uh, I'm not going to mention names because... 
I'm, I'm bad with names and uh, I don't want to leave anyone out. It was great to meet all of you, but I will mention one name, uh, someone uh, that goes back to the 90s and who doesn't make a big deal of himself on Facebook. I think he's not very active on Facebook, but he, he is there and he listens to the podcast now and he came up and introduced himself and that was Mike Lind. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. He'll forgive me saying this because he's, he has said this himself many times. The oldest big country fan. So he made the trip from uh, London to come to the cavern, and uh, it was great to meet him. Is he the one? But he did something uh, back in the day, didn't he? Did he do the chat? He didn't do the chat room, did he? No, that was I, John Underwood. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. that name, Mike Lynn. Uh, did he? Was he part of like some project, or was he just a frequent contributor on the email list? He was a frequent contributor. Okay, yeah. all right. Worked as a lawyer, I believe, so he had a lot of insights into certain aspects that, uh, of course, Ian Grant didn't need input on because he was an expert. <laughs> so um, it was great to see him. So, so Mike, thank you for coming up. That that was awesome to see you. Uh, not that it wasn't awesome to see anyone else, but uh, some there are some people out there that uh, they, they just vanish a little bit off the radar, perhaps, and then uh, it's good to see them. Yeah, great. Hi, Svein. Hi, Tom. Niall Featherstone here, checking in from Dublin City in Ireland. Guys, I just thought I'd give a quick insight into my recent trip to the Cavern Club in Liverpool for the opening night of the Big Country 35th anniversary Return to Steeltown Tour. What can you say about the Cavern Club? An amazing, iconic venue. It was hot. It was sweaty. It was small. It was rockin'. The guys played a 90-minute set, 15 songs, seven of which I believe were from the Steeltown album. There was great anticipation beforehand as to what songs would they play from Steeltown. Personal highlights for me were the East of Eden, Tall Ships Go, and an amazing version of Come Back To Me. And the outro section, which was really, really awesome, was a personal highlight for me on the night. It was brilliant to meet all the different fans from across the UK and from Ireland. And of course, it was great to meet Svine for the first time from Norway. We had a big Irish contingent, the Big Country Irish Fans Convention, organisers myself, Liam Doyle, David Antegredine, Helen Ferguson, and our new friend, living in Ireland but from Rome, Dario, had an amazing, brilliant night. What really struck me was being up the front and seeing the absolute joy on the faces of the five guys. These guys love what they do. They bring passion. They bring skill. They bring energy. It was so striking to see how much they enjoyed their job. And certainly for the crowd there to play those songs from Steel Town, to throw in an amazing version of A Thousand Stars, unbelievable versions of In a Big Country, Chance, Fields of Fire. They really put on a great show and it augurs really well for the rest of the tour in Australia, New Zealand, and then when it comes back to Europe and UK later in the year. For anyone that gets an opportunity, see them on this tour the guys are on absolute fire a really enjoyable night a really typical sweaty hot big country gig i think they had to turn off the air conditioning which led to an amazing hot atmosphere right up the front uh, we rocked the night away so listen liverpool rocked can't wait to do it all again soon these guys are on fire and to get the reaction that they got on that night was so special afterwards had a great chat with Scott and his lovely wife, Janet. Amazing people. We are a big country family. We are a big country. We are from all over the place. Over now from Dublin, 
Take it easy, guys. Cheers. So the Irish fans, very visible. They're doing something right with those T-shirts and 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 uh, all looking very in uniform. So that that was awesome. And in fact, as as uh, the show started uh, drawing closer, uh, I ended up standing next to uh, to most of them because that was part of my own tactical positioning. I positioned myself really at the edge. I was standing in front of Jamie because. I've spoken about this before. There are certain things I need to be careful about. And one of them is my feet. I've had surgeries on my feet. And one thing I absolutely cannot do is stand at the same spot and jump up and down. That, is, that will kill my feet. So I had to be careful that I was not standing in the middle of some, somewhere where I would be pulled into a pogo fest. So uh, I stood really at the edge there in front of Jamie, kind of safe. And uh, I think Niall was next to me. And I said, okay... He's a sane dude. He's not going to go crazy with, uh, with, with Poe going. And, and that held true. I think he joined the ones, uh, you know, the other direction. So <laughs> it was, I was the staunch guy standing there holding my ground. And, uh, and then it was showtime. What, what can I say? The band coming on. And they opened with Thousand Stars. And uh, it's such mm. a shot of adrenaline. I think we've both always said it. What a great opener Thousand Stars is. That really gets you going. It really kicks into it in a, in a big, big way. Right away. So it's such an energy shot. I, I'm not even going to try to describe how it feels because uh, I think everybody who's seen Big Country Live knows how it feels. And if you haven't, I, you're not going to understand anyway. It's seeing a band playing in front of you live music, really how it's meant to be heard. That looked great. They were great. They really bring it. They they add the performance. You know, Bruce is such a natural performer, and he's he's a guy. He he will turn it on and be Mr. Rockstar. And then as he leaves the stage and just rounds the corner, he's the hello, how how you doing? It's just normal, and he can turn it on and off like that. <laughs> and that's you know that's great to be able to do that because to be able to turn it on is a gift, uh, but also to turn it off to not be like that all the time which is also, in my opinion, important. Right. So it's very great uh, to see that. And uh, yeah, they, they went from Thousand Stars into Flame of the West and East of Eden. And they, they flow seamlessly into each other. That's kind of what they figured out during the rehearsal and worked like a charm.
start with Flame of the West and play through the whole album uh, uh, sequentially like they did uh, in 2014. In 2014 they started with Flame of the West, played the 10 songs and then they played some songs at the end. This was different, they mixed it up and also uh, crucially they did not play every song on Steel Town, they played most of the songs on Steel Town and that was a discussion I, I had with Bruce after the show that I'll get back to but that's uh, uh, the songs they didn't play was uh, the middle trio of Side 2, Girl with Grey Eyes, Rain Dance and Great Divide. They didn't play those three songs, but they played the seven other songs. So far we have Thousand Stars, Flame of the West, East of Eden. And then, for the fourth song, Bruce says, let's get back to the 80s. And I know what's coming. It's a look away. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Very early. Was there a special dedication of this song by any chance, or no? No, there wasn't. <laughs> Thank God. You, know, you, you, can, you can only draw a, a semi-internal joke so far. So no, I, there, there wasn't that, but <laughs> it, it may seem like a funny thing to say in front of this particular song, let's go back to the 80s, when each and every song they played at night was indeed from the 80s. <laughs> but, but, but I know what it means, because most of the other songs are much more timeless. But Look Away is an 80s type song. So, uh, so definitely that fits more into the more 80s hits of its time kind of thing. You know, Flame of the West, East of Eden, timeless songs. Look Away, very much an 80s pop song, pop hit type, for big country, certainly. And uh, you know why they have it in their set list, because the crowd was going bananas. And uh, I look around and say, well, great, these people are really enjoying it. And uh, seeing that type of response, there's no way they can take that out of the set list. Right. So uh, I accept that. I, I did not pogo. <laughs> to put it like that, I did not. I did not sing along. <laughs> it was cool to be there. It was as cool to watch the the audience. That was the song that really pushed it over the edge, as far as uh, exploding and lots of jumping and uh, lots of uh, energy from the crowd, so to speak. So, which, which was great. That's great to see. No yeah. matter what they place, that is awesome, uh, and the band deserves that. And then let me ask you about the crowd a little bit. Was was it? Uh... That full of full of that kind of energy. I know, you know, I know a lot of the fans are older these days, myself included. So was it? Did they did they exceed expectations with the, the energy level there? Or was it? Uh, I know it's not going to be like it was in 1984, but you know, was it was it a good energy? It was a great energy. 
it's interesting what you say about exceeding expectations because I actually have a pretty high expectation of big country crowds. I've seen videos, I've seen uh, I've seen how they go, and I've seen how how sometimes they fire up. So I, I think uh, for all of us um, up there now in age, this is the big workout probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it did it did really well. Of course, it wasn't sustained throughout the show. The levels that you saw, for example, during Look Away, because that would have been insane, uh, especially right. given uh, the temperature of the, of the room, which I'll get to a little later in the show when it started being really felt, even by me, who didn't jump up and down so much. I can imagine that must have been even worse, but it, the cavern gets really freaking warm, really hot. And uh, that's... Um, yeah, that seems to be a motif here. It must be, must be a hot place. It's a very hot place. Let me ask you this though. Now about look away, I we know your your feelings on it from the set list, from hearing it on, in recordings, but now actually being there and hearing it played, how did it how did it strike you then? Any differently? Any more uh, excited to hear it? What made me excited was to see the the audience reactions. Yeah, that was it. I mean, I, there, there's no way. Um, I prefer look away over, for example, the three songs from Steel Town. We we they didn't play. But but like I said, there's no way they can not play Look Away when they get that that type of response. There, there's no way. Right. But uh, no, it, it was good. It, I didn't stand there fuming. If, if that's what people think, no, I enjoyed it. But uh, <laughs> it's big country. It's my band. It, it's just not necessarily my song by my band. But uh, it was good. To uh, it was good to be there. I, I wouldn't have missed it. I wouldn't have gone to the bathroom. It wasn't the bathroom break that it perhaps at times I thought it could have been. I definitely was glad to see it. Nice. So they went from that into a song that really, you know, you think coming out of Look Away and with the energy in the room that people are now looking for a, a quiet thing. But then they get into Lost Patrol and you feel the surge through the crowd. Mm. Not just because Look Away is such a jump and sing-along song, but Lost Patrol, I think, is also an incredible sing-along song. That perhaps means a little more to people than Look Away. People love Look Away, but Lost Patrol is, is loved and means a little more. This is just me maybe saying that, but that was a song that people got into in a big way. And they got into Lost Patrol just from the intro. You just heard the, the whoosh through the crowd. People were really into it. It's not a pogo song like Look Away. It's obvious. Look Away has that steady, good pace. It's good that they have the mid-tempo pogo songs. You, you can't pogo along to the frantic ones. Then you'll be beat. You'll, you'll be lying down at the end and you won't pogo again that evening. But right. Lost Patrol is also that kind of very good atmospheric song. It really worked well in that club. Really, really was a strong uh, track. One of the highlights of the evening. That's great.
they continued with a bit of songs from Steel Town. They went into just a shadow. And I think that enabled people to catch their breaths a bit. This is a huge favorite with many people, and everybody loved it, but they were able to love it without jumping <laughs> so much. <laughs> so, and that was great because the next one was the powerhouse, and for me, my highlight of the evening. The next song was the title track from Steel Town. Mm. Man, what can I say? That was the song I hoped more than any that you know, obviously, they need to play Steel Town. You, you don't have a Steel Town tour and don't play Steel Town. That, I think that song is a masterpiece. It is my number one from Steel Town, as those who listen to our deep dives might remember. It is a gigantic song. It's a goosebump song. And I went through all those emotions standing there. And that version was really, really solid.
And uh, I'll talk a little about, uh, you know, now I have observed the quote-unquote new guys. You have Simon, you have Scott, you know, Bruce and Jamie, they're the hardened veterans along with Mark back there. So you know what they bring to the band by now. And then you have someone like Scott who, you know, no matter when you look over at his side of the stage, and he was obviously further from me, I was standing in front of Jamie, but uh, he always bounces, he always dances around, he's always got the biggest grin. He, he's the person who looks the happiest to be there in the entire room, including the fans. He's just beaming with uh, just joy of being there and playing these songs, which is uh, incredible. We, we get smitten with that as fans. That, that's what we want to see. It's, it's probably more than we've seen from any of the big country members uh, ever, because nobody's been that kind of exuberant about their participation in proceedings. Uh, and then you have Simon, who has a different vibe. He, uh, he doesn't bounce around. He doesn't grin like a madman. He doesn't uh, have uh, have that kind of obvious joy. He has a different vibe. And uh, I always kind of pondered Simon and how he comes across on stage. And I think something clicked for me when I saw them. Scott has a very extrovert stage persona, a very extrovert stage presence. He's very out there in how he feels. He's very open. Whereas... Uh, Simon has a much more focused, uh, he focuses on the song, he focuses on the performance, he channels it more from inside. And sometimes I saw Stuart have that. I didn't always see Stuart bouncing with a smile. Sometimes I saw him really focused on his playing, focused on the words, focused on the delivery. I think Simon taps a little bit more into that. So that was interesting as the show progressed to see what he brought, especially. That was one of the things I wanted to take a closer look at. And for me, it clicked a bit more with seeing that. But also, I think that's now he um, he isn't the new boy anymore. He's been there for a bit. He's, uh, hey. he's done this. And he's gotten the self-confidence. And I think that's something I see. Uh, he, he is confident on stage. And he, uh, he brings an insistence to his performance. And frankly, it would look absolutely ridiculous if he was going to apply the, the Scott stance, where Scott would stand there bouncing with a silligrin, and then next to him, Simon bouncing with a silligrin, and then next to him, Bruce, for the most part, with a huge silligrin. Kind of <laughs> no, that would be like happy hour at the, at the Smurfs <laughs> convention. So they, the fact that they bring their own thing to the performance and their own kind of identity is, is cool. And actually, I, I appreciate that. And I, I saw his self-assured quiet insistence which is important for some songs it's important for songs like steel town which is yeah. why i i mentioned it as part of this song i saw you know he was part of making that song work in a big way for me and that's 
that's a really high compliment. That's the that's the highest compliment I can give. So Simon, I I think I have worked you out now, mate. I think um, uh, I needed to see you, and now I've seen you, and I see you. So that's that's all I can say. It was really awesome to see. Great. Yeah, that was really great. And it went from Steel Town into Chance, and uh, that was a song that Simon again took a bit more command. Bruce spoke between many songs, but Simon would sometimes take command, and he did for Chance, getting the audience to uh, you know engage in the sing along and having them sing again, repeat the lines and stuff. So Chance was the one where Simon took over the mic a bit and had led the audience participation, which was also good to see, and also I think. I don't think we would have seen some years back, but we're now seeing. Now then, people of the cabin, how are you doing? Now listen up, folks. It's quite hot in here, and there's a lot of people. And I want to try and get everybody singing in the room if we can. Because we need a little bit of help. Here we go. I think it's been important for him to find his place and that has grown organically and now it's there it's complete you know his transition into the band is is full i would say probably he needed more time to find his place in the band than scott did i think i would say that but now he has definitely found it nice great yeah so chance another one that great sing-along and there was a fun uh, thing that happened uh, after that song there was a guy in the front row it was a little bit to the other side for me but he was standing there very proud and bruce i see bruce looking over at him and said let's look at your t-shirt and he was wearing <laughs> a, a chelsea football club t-shirt <laughs> coming <laughs> and and to make that clear for for everybody it's it's pretty ballsy to wear a chelsea football club t-shirt in liverpool okay that that's pretty ballsy to begin with <laughs> but bruce kind of just said you you're wearing the wrong t-shirt just walk over to Gordon over there. He will give you a big country T-shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, was very, that was very funny. That's when, <laughs> there was a lot of fun. I don't remember every comment, but it was a very fun. The, the show had great vibes. Great vibes, a lot of comments like that. And uh, how do you follow up something like that? You follow it up with Tall Ships Go. Mm. Blistering version. Mark, the star of the show, the song that he was really, uh, you know, if you're going to look for a Mark moment, I think that came in Tall Ships Go. Amazing. Just amazing song. Awesome. And from then, it got into In a Big Country. We're 10 songs into the set by now. And this is the song where I started having some personal problems with, with the heat. Um, they turn off the air condition at the cavern a little bit before the show starts. Oh, jeez. They turned it off at that point? They turn it off during all the shows and, and with some clearance before the show starts. Ugh. It was on when I first came in. It was on when we were far less people and stuff. It was really comfortable to be there. But then they turn it off at some point before the show. I think um, even a little before the warm-up act goes on. So by the time the, the main band comes on, it's, it's already warm. And uh, this far into the set, it's really, really intense. It's like a sauna. Everybody's dripping with sweat. Everything's wet. And the cliche you hear about Cavern that the sweat is dripping down the walls, it's, it's kind of true. I don't know if it's necessarily sweat or just condensation. I, I would like to think it's condensation because I got dripped on. So um, at this point, I, I was starting to falter and I was getting a little dizzy. And it's just, okay, I might need to step out a little bit. 
but but I soldiered through. But it was really warm, and um, there are some big fans in the roof. Even though they were off at that point, they collected a lot of the condensation, so they were dripping constantly down. And there was mm. one of those fans above Gordon's merch booth, and I know he just pulled the table back so that the sweat wouldn't keep dripping down on the merch table. Oh man, <laughs> so it was really uh, really bad. That that's a it's a well known. Uh, cavern uh, feature you know it's not a bug it's a feature you you, you expect such from uh, from the cavern club going back to uh, all the the witness accounts from uh, when the beatles played there in the early 60s it's not exactly the same uh, location it's been rebuilt a bit but uh, it's uh, you know that aspect has survived the the sweat was uh, dripping the condensation was dripping and it was really freaking warm and that um, <laughs> that was that was really incredible but they played, yeah, they played in a big country, and then they got into the last uh, duo from uh, from Steel Town with uh, Where the Roses Zone and Come Back to Me. And uh, I mentioned before, having the benefit of having seen the rehearsals, this is the one point where they um, they had a moment where they faltered almost, and they didn't fall apart uh, because Simon saved the day. And uh, I might. I might be imagining it. It might be on purpose, but I don't think so. And their their reactions kind of uh, gave it away. There's a middle part before the third verse, before the final verse. They go back down before they take it up again for the third verse. You probably know the version or the the part of the song I'm talking about. Yeah. They didn't quite have that figured out, how long it was going to last. And for that part, I noticed Scott was looking over at Bruce, looking looking at all the others, looking at Mark, and Bruce was looking around. And everybody was kind of looking around. And then Simon just looks around, gets a determined look, steps up to the mic, says, one, two, three, four, and then goes into the, the final verse. Oh, and and, uh, and you can see everybody. Scott burst out laughing. Bruce burst out laughing. Everybody was just, okay, Simon saved the day. That's, that's how we continue. That's how we get out of it. And I bet they talked about that section ahead of the next gig. But um, it was very funny. But the thing was, I, I'm not sure people who were there actually spotted it. Because that was a point that I, I have them stopping the song in rehearsal and discussing that very part. And um, that was the one of all the parts they discussed where it looked a little shaky for a wee bit. But uh, it all came out okay. Good, good.
was very funny to see, and especially the reactions. And uh, I have a video of uh, of um, it doesn't cover everybody. I think Scott was really laughing, Bruce too. And I have the video of Bruce <laughs> during that part, and you can hear clearly. You can see Simon just walk up to the mic and how Bruce laughs after that part when everybody just launches onto that, and then you then they have the verse and they're on track again. So awesome, <laughs> the little moments in a show. <laughs> yeah. So. That was that. And then they went in to come back to me. And uh, it was incredible. It sounded great in rehearsal. It sounded fantastic uh, live and uh, with, with the outro section. So awesome. And uh, after those two, uh, that takes us to the end of the show. And then you get all the, uh, the stalwarts. They play Wonderland. Sounds awesome. They go into Fields of Fire. It sounds awesome. And that's the end of the main set. So they walk off. Everybody knows they're coming back, and when they do, they play Restless Natives. And that uh, sounds awesome. And many people I talked to would point out that 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 was a lot of people's favorites, Restless Natives. It was a blistering version. This is Marudi. It's called Gav. Gav. His name's Gavin. I like to call Gaviscon.
a set. My goodness, what a set. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So, so that was awesome, and that's how it ended. And Mark came up and um, had the band take a bow, introduce and, and thank everybody, and uh, that was uh, that was the show. And that was pretty awesome. That that uh, was it. So great. Yeah, and I, I look around the room, and everybody's drenched in sweat, and it's it's. <laughs> It's really, it's, I am drenched in sweat. I don't, nothing I'm wearing, none of my clothes were not wet uh, from, you know, whatever, whether it came from inside or outside, doesn't matter. That club was one big sweltering pile of sweat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was fine. You know, it was, it was the same for everybody. It wasn't less flattering for, for any one of us. We were all the same. So that's, that's okay, I guess would be worse if it was just me, but no. So uh, again, the, the post show, things winding down. I, I met more people. I, I said hi to many. That, that was great. I got a little hard to keep them all separated. So some guy came up and said, hey, and the, what, what's your name? Hey, I'm Alan. And he's the third Alan I've met that evening. I, I, <laughs> you know, Alan who? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I don't mean to be sort of cheeky, but it, when it gets to be very many names, I, I, I can't keep you all straight. Uh, it's not badly meant, but uh, <laughs> it's so awesome. And uh, and uh, a lot of people, you know, I'm happy to talk about the show, but, uh, you know, I, I was never going to go out there and ask them what they think about the podcast, but that's what they talk about. They see me and they start talking about the podcast. So <laughs> that's that's good that many people are actually listening to us. That That's my takeaway. I've never spoken in person to anyone who listens to the podcast, apart from my wife. So now I have more people telling me, you know, what they like, what they don't like, <laughs> all these things, just uh, lots of talk about it and uh, whether, you know, what we'll do next and all these things. It, it was just nice to talk about that, but also talk about big country and the show and how the, how the, the cavern works as a venue. Certainly oh, yeah. those who go there often, I, I, I was keen to hear how this compared to other shows. Very interesting, really. Hi. On a wet September evening, I decided to go to the Cavern Club in Matthew Street in Liverpool to watch Big Country on their Steel Town tour. Um, got in, the place was packed, um, well, stacked to the rafters, actually, with people. Um, it was very hot and sweaty, um, but when as soon as the band started, the sound was crystal clear. Um, Bruce and Jamie just seemed to be thoroughly enjoying themselves, bouncing around the stage and laughing. Um, it was lovely to hear um, the old songs like Flame of the West and Steel Town again. Um, the atmosphere was infectious. You just had to bounce up and down. Um, it was lovely to meet some big country friends, some I hadn't seen for 10 years. And I probably ached a lot the day after. <laughs> Thank you, it's Hazel. <laughs> so, hello, uh, my name is Dario and I'm Italian. Uh, I'm an Italian big country fan since 1985. Um, in fact, in that year I discovered the band thanks to my older cousin during a holiday, a ski holiday, we were skiing in the Apennines. Anyway, we're talking about big country live in, at the Cavern Club in Liverpool which I attended, and uh, yes, the Cavern Club, the, the Beatles Sanctuary, and um, I never seen Big Country to play in such a small venue, to be honest, just for a few 
people, few fans. Uh, it was so fantastic. I could feel Bruce Watson sweating, <laughs> just drops nearly into my, reaching my face nearly. I mean, they didn't, but they're nearly reaching my face. <laughs> and uh, it was a great emotion during the jig because they, they played the old legendary song from the first two albums, like the real anthems, you know, uh, with their typical and unique sound, uh, like it's something that those guitars seems like I can feel the bagpipes. It seems like I'm lifted in the highlands in the northern Scotland, and um, it was fantastic. I I just came from 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 Dublin because it's my first time. I saw five times big country. That's the first time outside Dublin, which is the city where I'm living now. And um, this time, this concert in Liverpool was really special for many reasons. Um, first of all, mm, yeah, I came from Dublin with the right company, which was important. And then I also got to meet lots of friendly people. Um, some of them uh, I actually previously met, uh, like the guys from the Big Country Fan Club. But I also got to meet the um, uh, Sven from uh, Norway. Uh, from the Great Divide uh, fan club uh, and uh, and many others. And I was so glad also I had the privilege to meet uh, one member of the Big Country Band and uh, also and also some um, relatives, some family me- families of the band members and all very friendly. And uh, yes, I hope this band will keep on rocking for a long time. Uh, I love Big Country so much. I really hope they will stay alive. <laughs> and and that's when I also met Sandra. She appeared uh, in, the, oh, yeah. in the club at that point. She wasn't there before the show. She was somewhere else. I guess she's seen them a few times, so she doesn't feel like hanging around soundcheck or whatever. So she was off somewhere else with friends. But I saw her after the show, and uh, that was nice. She was she was a sweetheart. And uh, people who know Sandra knows you, you don't mess with Sandra. You know, she if you mess with her, she will show you that she has sharp edges. <laughs> but if you're nice to her, she'll be a sweetheart to you. But uh, we got along well, and uh, I actually brought her some chocolate that. Uh, Hopefully was enjoyed. I actually brought chocolate to all the bands. So after the show, I, I pulled that out a little oh, that's later. that's great. That's awesome. But uh, there was actually a funny thing happening because I was trying to buy a, a vinyl slip mat from Gordon. Uh, so I, I stepped over before he packed it all away because he started packing away relatively early. And I said, oh, I need to buy you a slip mat. Is it too late? And no, you know, he dig it out. And suddenly I hear this no from across the room. And there comes and there comes Sandra saying, No, don't take his money. <laughs> so, no, no, no. She she has something planned and evidently a slip mat is part of what she has planned. So no, don't don't take his money. So <laughs> that, that was very funny the way it happened. And Gordon just giving this knowing sigh and you know, putting it back. And <laughs> no, but that that was awesome. You know, they they were all great. And um uh, I was um, I was allowed to hang back after most people had left the club. So that's when Bruce came out. He has changed into his Clark Kent identity again and uh, wanted to know what I thought. So we talked about the show, chatted about that and, and the set list. And uh, 
and he brought it up himself. The the pain of leaving songs out that uh, he wished they could have played the, the full album. But uh, there were some songs, uh, especially Rain Dance. He said that that was the one I think he would have tried to fit in of the three that were out. That he missed uh, playing that in particular of those three. But uh, there were other songs that uh, you know it, it's the old thing. How many do you leave out of uh, the normal ones, and and who do you keep in? Right, right. So. Um, yeah, that's that's just a decision you make. It, it was a Steel Town uh, heavy show for sure. Seven songs from Steel Town. Uh, it was reasonably heavy on the Crossing too. Five songs from the Crossing is not that far behind, uh, and only one from uh, from the Seer. So yeah. that's what happened when uh, when one album gets a preference in the setlist discussion. And I handed over chocolates to him and Mark. We got. I have a funny picture of. I wanted to have a picture with the two of them. So and that's one thing you you kind of forget a bit. I didn't go around asking to take pictures or autograph. I was kind of just hanging out with them. So you're not even in that frame of mind that you are. You know, if they walk past you on the street, you immediately grab them for a picture. But right. when you hang out with them, it's it's different. You're just talking. But then I said, okay, uh, the price for those chocolates is a picture with you too. So yeah, yeah, they, and they post. And of course, they were proudly displaying their chocolates. <laughs> so it's kind of a silly <laughs> picture, but, <laughs> but it's great. It's oh, a so definite cool. memory of the evening, for sure. Oh, and, and Mark, you were saying, yeah, that my, that's my wife's favorite chocolate. So I said, oh, really? You, you buy Norwegian chocolate a lot? Yeah, but evidently, you know, if you fly through enough airports, you, you see it there. It's in, it's in tax freeze. There are more international selections. That's great. You're going to need to post some of those pictures on our site. Yeah, maybe I should. You should when you release, when we release the show. Yeah, we put out this episode. I'll, I'll put some pictures in that thread or something. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, and I caught Scott a little later. You know, he <laughs> was asking me how the heat was uh, affecting the band on stage. And he said, well, he walked off stage absolutely soaked. So it was just as warm there as it was down in, in the pits. It was really warm. So he had to change into the T-shirt he was going to wear the next night for next night's show that he immediately had to take off. The other one was so soaked. It was probably worse than uh, than than what we were even. So, uh, yeah, laundry was going to probably be a big point the next day. So that was very funny. <laughs> and we talked a bit about they They were obviously looking forward to the Australian gigs at that time. Yeah. And... Um, the band was kind of looking forward to it. I spoke to Janet. She was not looking forward to it. I think it's uh, that's the other side of it. And and uh, Sandra, too. We see them, uh, you know, whenever the band, you know, the guys fly down there. You see their posts on, on Facebook. You know, this is where the plane is now. And this is where it is. And they, they pay attention. And uh, it's the same when, when I go somewhere. Then my family keeps tabs on where I am. And... Uh, it's just natural, and you wait for them to come back home and make it home safely. Sure. And also such a gigantic slog of flying to Australia. Janet was telling the story of the last time they went down there, where he flew out in the afternoon, and she talked to him on the phone before bed. And when she spoke with him again in the next morning, he had not slept yet. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like 24 hours to get there almost. It's which is insane. Oh my gosh! Can't even imagine. <laughs> it's, it's really insane. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. It's, it's unbelievable. And then, and then they got back from Australia recently, and they had no more than like two days off, and they played again. Yeah, they played almost with nothing. They actually that's the one show that was uh, not canceled but postponed to February because the booker put that show really close to when they came back. 
so uh, they're not machines. It's it's, it's understandable. They need to. Uh, they want to perform a, a great show to a high standard. There's no way you can just do those flights and immediately play a show. So that's uh, that's just understandable. And that show shouldn't never have been booked, in my opinion. But no, well, they they made it through the cavern, and that that was great. And uh, the first show of the tour. So I think uh, by now they played a lot more. So they're a fine-tuned machine by now. They they know all these songs at the back of their head. I'm sure yeah. they all know how to count out of the middle part of uh, the Rose's zone, and uh, it's it's all just sitting there. So that was awesome. That was really really awesome. I don't know what to say. That. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you said a lot. So, yeah, this is amazing. It's, it's such a great experience. I'm so uh, happy for you that you got to have all that and not only just go see them, but, you know, like when I saw them for the first time, I didn't know anybody who liked Big Country. And, and I went with a friend of mine and the girl I was seeing at the time. And, you know, it was fun, but it was just the three of us. We didn't commiserate with any other fans. It wasn't like a family reunion type of atmosphere, which I imagine yeah, it, it's got some of that in it when you're meeting people who you you know you've read stuff from for years or you know their names for years and you get to meet them finally and it seems like that's what the fan base has turned into these days at these shows it's just like this traveling family reunion almost where so many people know each other or know each other from online and yeah that's true i hope to be able to experience that at some point um in the future too where i can meet some of some of the people who i've gotten to know online and including yourself <laughs> yeah. but people I haven't even talked to, you know, so, so yeah, that's so cool. So, so great, great stories. Yeah. It's really amazing. And, um, I'm sure I'm leaving stuff out, but, uh, you know, we, we can only do this so long. So that was, um, that was a great evening. I, I left the club when the band left the club pretty much. So I got, I maximized my time with them. They, they probably got tired of me, but Bruce came out and said, you know, thank you. So it was great to meet you. And, uh, you know, doing a damn good job of looking genuine. So I'll choose to believe him. So it, <laughs> it, it was great to meet uh, you, Bruce. It, it was great to meet all of you guys. It it honestly was. So so at the end, I got to give them a chocolate. But I have to say, I didn't see Simon at the end. He he was missing. So I didn't get to, to give Simon his chocolate. So, oh, too bad. So Simon, I'm sorry, but I ate your chocolate. When I, when I got back at the hotel, I ate Simon's chocolate. <laughs> I was really beat when I got back, by the way. That, that was a long walk back. I, I was so tired and exhausted. It was great to be out in fresh air. That That's really what gave me the sort of energy to go back. <laughs> but that was, it was a good feeling, too, because knowing what, what, what a day I had and going back and how awesome it was, it was kind of one of a kind day. Uh, exactly. amazing experience for me and, and how I was welcomed by everybody, not just the band, everybody, their wives, the organization, they all knew who I was. That, that was incredible. Uh, something I don't take for granted. I was walking around introducing myself like a fool and they say, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, getting back and um, fortunately with my phone steering me right because I missed some landmarks and, and started the wrong direction. But no, I, I was steered right and I, I made it there. What about the the mugging? Is that something you want to talk about on the show? or or I can talk about it just because it's so funny. You know, it's, um, yeah, that sounds like something you don't want to miss. <laughs> as I was walking back, 
some of the streets I walk down, you, you see a little bit of the dark side of Liverpool. You don't see it during the day, but you see some people sleeping rough and you see that uh, there are people there that has a number of challenges. And there was one guy who actually jumped out in front of me with a knife. Oh. He wanted money. And then... Uh, I didn't was say it, anything. Was it Simon? Was it Simon? <laughs> I want my chocolate, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, that would have been fine because then I would I hadn't eaten it yet, so he could have gotten it. But sadly it wasn't. Uh, you know, but I didn't say anything and I just look at him. And it's kind of like a crocodile dundee moment when when that guy comes and he holds a knife and uh, she says give him the money and she says what for and he's got a knife and he says that's not a knife and he pulls out the gigantic uh, thing and says this is a knife it was almost a bit like that and that's why i say it's funny of course there's nothing funny about being mugged but i've already mentioned i'm a big guy i'm super tall i'm i'm, I'm sort of i can dwarf some people and this was a tiny guy he was not very tall at all he was he was small and he was very skinny. Clearly, his physique was challenged by uh, by uh, some of his habits. And uh, he looked frail. And here was this huge powerhouse, you know, energized by a show. And it was like <laughs> pathetic. And I was just looking down. And I was clearly going to crush this guy, even with that little knife. And I just look at him and I say, you don't want to do this, do you? And then after <laughs> some quiet seconds, he just says, just go. And then he backs off and runs. So, 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 I, <laughs> so, what, so what did he say to you initially when he, when he stepped out in front of you? What did he say? Did he say, give me your money? Did he yeah, say just, anything? Just, just uh, money. Just something okay. like that. It was just a short thing. It, you know what they want. It was just money. <laughs> It sounds like a spine action movie. <laughs> you don't want a piece of this. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the last thing I want this to sound like is like some macho bullshit thing. It, that, but I was so tired, and this was just such a ridiculous situation. It was ridiculous, and uh, it's hilarious though. Yeah, that you, you did it that way. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so no, it it didn't feel. You know, I'm not gonna say I was this, this all. It, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice, but I, I think back at it now, and it's just ridiculous. It's kind of like he saw some movement in the street and jumped out, and oh my god, this huge <laughs> guy! He was nearly half my height. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. Yeah, and I got the frame to back it up. I'm not just a slim, tall guy. I'm a huge guy. So it was kind of like I, I would have overpowered him. Let's not go down that road. But it was it's 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 it's, a, it's, it's kind of funny to think back at. But yeah, it, it, I'd rather I didn't have that encounter. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, and someone with a knife, you know, no matter how small they are, they could do some damage. Yeah, it wasn't a big knife, but he had one. But you know, yeah, really. If if it was some guy closer to his own size and less energized, I was kind of thumping through the through the streets with some stride, aching feet, wanting to get back. Enough of this. And here comes this guy. So, yeah, a little pissed off I was for sure. But, uh, yeah, it didn't feel great. But, you know, he he uh, saw a sense and ran away. And that's exactly what I hoped he would. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's a great capper on the story. Yeah, yeah that's really. Awesome. What, a, what a great adventure. You, you got to meet your favorite band. You got to see your favorite <laughs> band. You got to meet friends and fans. You almost yeah. got mugged. You got to stare down a mugger and make him 
uh, run away. That's a pretty. That's a pretty cool day. Well, yeah, some of it is cooler than other things, but <laughs> but I did make it back, and I fantastic. Well, quite a day. Quite a day. That's great. What a great story. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, it was it was great. And of course, my Liverpool adventure continued uh, another day. I went to the Beetle Museum and actually met most of the big country Irish fan at the Beetle Museum. So oh, cool. <laughs> as cool. I was heading in, they came in behind me. So I just said, oh, you guys following me or something? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> but great. We ended up going through that. And so I got to see them a bit more. But, but that was awesome, too. So, uh, yeah, I had uh, three fantastic days in Liverpool. That's great. Well, you know, a lot of people listening to this are probably in the UK. They probably get the chance to see big country quite often and they might be thinking what what is the big deal you know you about all this but you, you know you got to understand people from america people from scandinavia people from other countries um we don't we don't get these chances very often this is fine's very first time seeing the band yeah so it's like this is not a common occurrence i see lots of posts from people online like oh, this is my 280th time seeing the band <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, the most impressive thing about that is they keep count. They still keep count. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, I think, three. And then for you, you've got one now. So it's like, you know, <laughs> this, these are not these are not routine occasions for us. So hence the need for a long show talking about this experience. So, you know, uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there listening who maybe even haven't seen them as well ever. And so hopefully they will uh, enjoy living this through Svein's stories here. So, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping this can be a little bit of a scrapbook for those who went to the Cavern Club. It's a, It was a very uh, special show, I think, for a lot of people. It, feel, it feels special because of the location, the Cavern Club. It's kind of hallowed ground a bit. But also, it was a very close show. It's uh, one of the smaller shows they do in terms of club size. And uh, it's very intimate. And it's very in your face. And it's very, very warm. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, keep that in mind if I'm ever there. I will hydrate very well. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping it won't be the last time. There, there's got to be another time. And um, maybe if they do um, the CR35, I'll go maybe for that and, and hear Look Away one more time. But crucially, I'd love to hear um, the Red Fox and Sailor. Yeah, definitely. So if they don't play the full album, at least please those two. Definitely, without a doubt. Hi, this is Paul Bratley. Um, just a few comments regarding the recent gig in the Cavern in Liverpool on the Big Country Return to Steel Town tour. It was great to meet, obviously, people that you, you go to gigs with. There's lots of friends and people that you meet on Facebook, um, which is one of the great things about the gigs. Also, to meet Svein as his first gig as well. It was wonderful to see somebody from another country. Which is one of the amazing things about Big Country, about bringing so many people together from all across the country. Going back to the fans gathering in 2009, people from all over the world just coming together just to listen to Big Country's music and meet obviously a couple of members of the band and Mark when he played in the cavern and obviously Bruce up and El Rincon Latino. Um, getting back to the gig at the cavern, it was, it was great to hear all the songs again. Um, great set list. My only comment would be it'd be great to hear like the odd sort of B-side sort of song, just something different from 
the gigs in the past, such as Belief in the Small Man, it would be wonderful to hear, or the band played something of that nature. Other than that, great set list. It's great to hear Restless Natives done again. Um, one of my favourite songs of all time. A little bit about myself. I've been into Big Country since 1983, after hearing them playing on the telly. It was like, I think it was the Riverside thing that's just been recently posted again on Facebook. I was into rock music, all sorts of heavy metal. I'm not really into much more, and then suddenly heard this weird and wonderful band and heard Angle Park and then became an instant fan and obviously followed the band from then until now so it's been a, an amazing journey um, I think like as a lot of people say they have a timeline of their life events and sort of work out what happened in what year depending on which album had been released which is exactly how I am you know, sometimes I don't have to think oh that was when this album was released or that single was out or I went to see Big Country here there or everywhere so I'm sure there's lots of other fans in that sort of sort of basis. As to the the gig in the cavern, um, I was thinking to myself during the first couple of songs that the band just seemed to be so happy together. It looked like a, a, a greater camaraderie between everybody. Now maybe that's been developed as time's gone by with Scott and Simon um, as the newest sort of members. Um, they just seem to fit in perfectly. Well, that was a that was a good show. That was a good show to come back to, nice and easy and relaxing. I didn't have to do much of anything, sit and listen. So that was cool. No research involved, really. Although you put me on the spot again, but you know, <laughs> I did okay, at least on the first answer. No, you did great. But uh, yeah, so yeah, thank you, Spine. That was awesome, and thanks everyone for listening, uh, as usual. And as I said, at the beginning of the show. Keep your ears and eyes open for the WKW crowdfunding campaign, which may be out by the time you listen to this. And if not, it'll be there soon. And uh, the album is Men of Steel. That's coming soon. And um, we'll be back at some point to talk about something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, when you least expect it. But we've got all the deep dives done pretty much. So we can, you know, it's, it feels a little relaxing these days in podcast land. Yeah, this was a much easier show to do than uh, than some of those. You know, there's no research apart from you know making sure I my own memory is intact. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Well, take care. Thanks for listening, and that's eight, episode eighty six. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. I can't see you from back there. What a wonderful place you have here. What a beautiful city you have. We love coming here. And please come and see us. <laughs> we'll keep coming to play if you keep coming to see us play. That's a promise. Anyhow, we've had a blast as we always do coming up here. And I would like to introduce Big Country 
on bass guitar and vocals, please give a warm Liverpool welcome for Scott Whitney over here, please. Thank you. Doing a bloody marvellous job in such heat condition. And behind me, on my left, your stage right, is lead vocals and guitar and more. More? Give it up for Simon Hoff, everybody, come on. Your friend and my friend. Talking about friends, my dear friend over here, the young, the handsome, the son of the father and the holy ghost, the father and the son, keeping those twin guitars alive from a very early age. Here he is, playing for us tonight, Jamie Wilson, everybody, come on. Guitar and vocals, and a splendid job too. And last and no means least, uh, this guy, Bruce, 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 Mr. Bruce Springsteen, no. Uh, been working with this chap for many, many years and long may continue. Your friend, my friend, give a little welcome for Mr. Bruce Watson. Yes, we're getting very busy. We're off to Australia very soon. And uh, we're really enjoying playing Steel Town. But we always say, and I say everywhere we go, wherever we are around the world, one person's never far away from this band, the late, the great Mr. Stuart Adamson, everybody. That leads me to say, God bless you, God bless Stuart, God bless you too. Good night. Thank you. Merry Christmas again.